2: Not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous.
0: <laughs>
2: I, I I to to oh, I woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami Amrabian. Sitting next to me is my co-host, Jack Shields. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. So go ahead and re- leave us a five star review. We really appreciate it, and it also just makes us easier to find it on iTunes and other various podcast websites. Jack, how you doing today?
1: Calmyer, I am over the damn moon. How uh, are you today?
2: You know, I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing well. Today was a good day.
1: Are we still coming down from that high of I'm the? S- uh,
2: still coming down. Still coming down. It was pretty neat, wasn't it? That was. That was. Uh, like Oklahoma came back from. The biggest deficit in program history. And I still didn't know what to do with my hands till like Monday Jalen morning.
1: Jalen Hurts had that Tom Brady magic, didn't he?
2: It's unbelievable.
1: 28 3.
2: Like, we're, we're part of that
1: meme now. How
2: neat is that? Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's just, it's just unbelievable how that game turned out. And it's just, after the game, first I just sat there for about 30, 45 minutes just processing what happened. And then I called my dad and was like, we just had like a sentimental moment of him just saying the word "sooner magic" over and over, and then, <laughs> and then, and then he, then he, he's like, "Oh, Texas lost," and then he called Tom Herman a dumb redneck. So that was fun. Um,
1: Tom Herman's like from the north, isn't he? Too? I don't know. He
2: still called him a redneck. That's cool.
1: I'm fine with it. But
2: he uh, was, uh, yeah. I, I didn't. I really didn't know how to react. I didn't know if I should like go. Uh, drink heavily, go take a nap, go run a mile, do a million push-ups. I, I had no clue what to do. And I, just, I so I just kind of out, hung out and just, watched the replay of the game.
1: I think a lot of people probably watched the replay of the game soaking that in. I uh, I went down to Waco. How had was an that? an awesome time. Their bar scenes better than people let on. I will say that, and their tailgating scenes a little better than people let on.
2: Did you see Chip and Joanna Gaines?
1: No, I did not.
2: No fixer uppers.
1: No fixer uppers. Uh, right. Didn't go to like what is it? Their silos yeah, or something like silos,
2: that. Two silos.
1: Two I, silos. I'm not too familiar with their brand, but like uh, anyway, good time. Tailgating was great. They have uh, river tailgating, kind of like Tennessee mm-hmm. does with on the boats. Brazos. Yeah. Pretty cool. Not not nearly as good as Tennessee, obviously, but. Not bad. Everything was smooth except for every single Uber ride we took in Waco was the weirdest (laughs) damn Uber ride every single time.
2: You got to explain. You got to explain.
1: All right. I'm not going to go into some of them quite as much because they were kind of odd and I don't want (laughs) to talk about them on here. But one of them, we're pretty sure that she was like somehow affiliated with the Branch
2: Davidians because
1: she mentioned that she went to the memorial every single year
2: what memorial the,
1: for like the like the dude David, oh, Koresh. David Koresh. oh yeah. ooh yeah oh not good yeah not oh, no, good at not all good yeah Stay some, away from some major red flags there i'm not the one who uh, yikes flags. i'm not Those the one yikes. who ordered the uber i don't know what my friend gave for a rating but <laughs> one star was in play yikes then another one he Found it necessary to comment on the physical appearance of every single woman he drove by, regardless of age, and decided to roll down the window and holler at them sounds on our like,
2: behalf. Sounds like an Art Browse disciple. I,
1: exactly. That's and, that's like, weird. yeah, it was, uh, it was a little uncomfortable, not going to lie. Yeah, we okay. wanted to get out of the
2: car. That's uncomfortable, that's, yeah. That's
1: very counterproductive in every way whatsoever. But, uh, anyway, <laughs> the weirdest one is after the oh, game.
2: God. It's not, We're not to the weirdest one yet?
1: No, not even close. <laughs> and, like, Can't uh... Worry. Anyway, my buddy and I, we're walking, we walk over the river and onto their campus to try to find a place to get an Uber. And it's cold outside at this point. It's probably like 40, 35 degrees at this point. And uh, we're trying to get an Uber back to our other friend's Airbnb to go, you know, drink and stuff like that. Anyway, buddy calls the Uber and the car on the GPS on the app, it's staying in the same location about two miles away for about... 25 30 minutes and at this point traffic is slammed so it's a beggars can't be true situation so like we're worried that if we cancel it we can't get another uber so we're just riding this right out, right waiting for this person to move and so my buddy eventually calls her and he's like hey where are you uh, and she was like oh i'm you know stuck in traffic whatever and immediately when we hang up the car starts moving and we're kind of like what was she doing
2: that's weird.
1: Anyway, she gets there. It's a massive Dodge Ram with truck nuts, and her name nice. is
2: Fancy. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah.
1: Her name is Fancy. And anyway, as it turns out, she was chilling at the strip club, drinking beers with her previous customers. Nice, man. After she had accepted our fare.
2: Oh, what a nice one. And woman. we
1: were just... <laughs> I mean, she's probably, you know squandering her friday paycheck from the oil rig or something like that i don't know what her fancy. Deal was. her name was fancy it was quite a thing and we're just you know chilling outside trying to go drink it's uh cold outside and she's chilling at the strip club with some dudes
2: nice man what the hell that's that's uh that's southern hospitality i suppose man
1: she got one star but I, wait, may, my my buddy maybe gave her five stars just out of admiration. That yeah. takes, takes And guts. she didn't even know that she had fessed up to what she had done either. She was kind of fucked up driving us around. And she uh, mm-hmm. kind of inadvertently was like, yeah, earlier I was like chilling at the strip club, uh, waiting there for 30 minutes while these guys were uh, waiting on the Uber. And we were just looking at each other like, <laughs> she's
2: talking about that's, us. That's our ride. Right. What, what is this?
1: This is surreal. Anyway. <laughs> A bunch of weird Uber situations in Waco.
2: I would rate the David Koresh woman number one weirdo. You,
1: it, you, you had to be there, and there was more. There were more details to the David Koresh one that I'm not going to go into.
2: Ooh. But yeah, I'll off tell you once we yeah off, off the, the pod, pod subject. Yeah. It was weird. weird, man. But yeah, like you said, I'm still. Like, but one thing I will say,
1: the fans down there were extremely hospitable. Okay, they they That's were like know. before the game zero shit talking during the game it, it I, we were never made uncomfortable we were never yelled at during the big lead or anything like that after the game it was good game all that kind of stuff i mean like zero issues yeah the only weird things came from you know preacher guy saying sick em, jesus uh, and the uh awkward the uh big screen showing the sooner schooner tipping over once it turned 28-3 I heard
2: they they showed that several times.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, Oklahoma turned it around after that and they stopped showing it, so
2: That's uncomfortable. Awkward. But yeah, man. We're still basking in this Oklahoma very much so. Win thirty four to thirty one, once down twenty eight to three. And you know, towards when the game was happening, it just to me, it went from okay, this could be bad to, okay, this is getting out of hand, and I never really became angry as much as I, it was just a comical sort of deal, I'm like, wow.
1: I was so resigned to the fact that this was not a game anymore, that I had like, I was like over it, I was over the thing completely, I was like, oh, whatever, well, season's over, this kind of ruins Jalen Hurts' senior night next week, and all that kind of stuff, and uh, yeah,
2: those those thoughts that run through your mind, it's just like, of course, this is a weird situation and predicament, I'm in, but then,
1: and then I got kind of mad once we started coming back in it a little bit, and I'm like, oh, man, I was already over this, like, and now. you're tempting me again? Yeah, this is like the bullshit. case K- like the K-State stuff. Exactly. And the whole time I was just like, we're not going to come back and win this. And then finally I got a little glimmer of hope and then Jalen fumbles it into the end zone. Again,
2: yeah, fumbles it again.
1: Not, I mean, it was an odd deal for sure. And then obviously I was just livid at that point then, mm-hmm. obviously. I wasn't over the game anymore and I wasn't confident in you coming yeah. back anymore. So I was in Why that in-between
2: anger area. No bueno. And that's that's a fair thing to say. And I think what also is a fair thing to say is that I don't think anybody should have to go back before halftime and delete any of their tweets for any of the things they said regarding Did this game. Did people try to tell you that you needed to delete your tweets? Oh man, everybody's telling everybody to delete the tweets. Unless you're you like, shouldn't delete your unless tweets. you're unless you're a crimson glass Save them person for posterity. And because. You know, it's like, you should support your team no matter what. Like, me supporting the team has nothing to do with me saying, You can be a realist. This is not good. What is happening is very, very bad. This this team needs, needs a major shakeup. and like It's kind of like how Thunder fandom was for the first five years yeah. that they were in this
1: city. You weren't allowed to say anything bad about the Thunder that was happening, or you were a bad fan. But it's just It's like, kinda like that. Those people piss me off.
2: Those it, people are stupid. Nobody should have to go delete their negative tweets in the first half because everybody, even like the national pulpits were like, is this Spencer Adler time? Like, is this where you hand the ball to the youth time? Everybody Some was very doing reasonable. It. People. Like Jason Kersey's one of the yeah, best
1: writers that is. covers
2: OU or or college football in
1: general, and he was saying that. And it was reasonable at the time.
2: Yeah, because OU, a blue blood that's gone to three of the last four college football playoffs and has been in the constant national conversation, won four Big 12 titles in a row, should not be getting their ass handed to them on both sides of the ball by the Baylor Bears, regardless of where they're ranked right now. You should not have to delete your tweets and say, oh, well, I gotta eat Corona because Oklahoma finally showed up to play in the second half. No!
1: It was a very, very reasonable take at the time. It's not, Do yeah, not exactly. apologize for being a
2: realist. Unbelievable. But what I need to know is... Because you were in the stadium, it's 28 to 10, I believe, what you scored, or 31 to, 31 to 10.
1: It was 28-3, and then it was 28-10.
2: That's right. And then, um, what was the mood of the stadium, in general, as... The ball game hit halftime. I bet Baylor fans were probably elated. They were elated,
1: and OU fans were in the concession lines, essentially, <laughs> like they were drowning their sorrows in hot dogs and pretzels because they don't sell beer in there. But, oh,
2: that's quite unfortunate. Yeah,
1: exactly. I I, I want to say maybe I'm trying to think of which stadiums don't sell beer in the Big Twelve, and I think maybe that's the only one because TCU sells beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, OU and OSU, Texas. I think though that, that might, I'd have to go check, but I think that might be the only one in the Big Twelve that doesn't sell beer. Interesting. But anyway. Which isn't surprising; it's a Southern Baptist university. But yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, but yeah, there. It was a great environment in there. I love that stadium. There is not a bad
2: seat in the house. It's fantastic. I bet the atmosphere at some points was pretty like rocking and electric. And, and,
1: and yeah, and the stadium gets loud too, but just yeah. because of the way it's built, it's very, it's a very steep pitch, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's got multiple decks, so it just kind of goes straight up. But
2: it's like a wall of sound. at some As yeah, points. pretty
1: much. Even with the open end. Uh, at the
2: river, I mean, it's still pretty loud.
1: It's it's a good acoustic environment for sure.
2: So that being said, what was your mood heading into halftime?
1: I wanted to go to sleep, but I couldn't go. Yeah. Because it was the middle of the game and I couldn't I didn't think I could get to my hotel at that point. I was thinking about leaving. My buddy and I were thinking yeah. about leaving.
2: The last game I had left during the middle like the last game I had not stayed the entire game was OU versus Baylor. But in 2013, no, 2013, it was 2014, the year that shall not be named or remembered. Yeah, Norman. you
1: mentioned that. Yeah, I, I, you you were allowed to leave in disgust yeah, and during that one was, because,
2: because the coaching staff wasn't trying. It, it was bad, and I was like, man, this is, this is bad. And I remember saying, you know, like, Oklahoma got a touchdown before the half, and— you know, I think Bailey did get a field goal. I think it was 31-10 at half. It was 31-10, yeah. And I remember saying, you know, if Oklahoma can score at a half Yeah, I mean, we did have the ball opening the half. They got so. a sh- they they have a shot to actually do something. And, of course, I said that on, on the Twitter that I was uh, I was taking hold of uh, over the game. And I got a lot of replies like, are you crazy? What have you seen so far that says anything that and the defense stopped?" And they were stop. being reasonable by saying that at yeah. that time, too. And I was like, yeah, I just I got a feeling that like if they score right at a halftime and they get a three and out for Baylor, this game could be interesting. And lo and behold, here we are. So, what I need to know what happened after the half to both the offense and defense, because to begin the game, eighty Miller is catching passes for some reason. Yeah, of why that man's on the field? I think part of it from the passing game standpoint,
1: Jalen is. Deciding, hey, you know what? I'm going to trust more than Lee Morris, Nick Basquin, and A.D. Miller. And I'm going to spread it out to all of these different mm-hmm. guys. And it worked like a charm. I mean, everyone getting... Like, Theo Weiss. Gosh. What how a, much of a badass? What a, mean, com-
2: what a coming out party Oh, man.
1: Even though it was only two, two catches, catches, they were both just big, so awesome.
2: Explosive plays. And you're like, He showed you why he's a five-star prospect. Like, that's the future, and he has yet to get in the weight room for a full season. Oh, my gosh. That's so exciting. Him, Hazelwood, Stogner. And um, here's the thing,
1: though. With those first-half drives, though those were going to be methodical drives, too, if not for the turnovers. Exactly. So Oklahoma was going to be churning clock just like they were in the second half.
2: Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. just
1: the difference was in the second half it was working. But it was just
2: fumble, like Jalen. No turnovers. Jalen tried to bounce, himself with the ball. Except for with that the one, ball. obviously. But. He tried to bounce himself with the ball, and he fumbles the ball. Jalen... A really, really bad lame duck interception. The pick was worse than the fumble. God, it was bad. Um, and then another fumble, of course, at the goal line. And you're thinking, man, I can't can't catch a break. Uh, eventually, Lincoln Riley, before the Jalen Hurts fumble at the goal line, huddles them all up at you know like what the 25 yard line, 30 yard line, and just he gave them a speech. He doesn't really talk about what's in the speech. Um, he just hopes it inspires probably a lot of the players profanity, to, to, but play, I mean, to play. They probably need well. to hear it at
1: that time. So
2: and. Um, Man, after half, it just Oklahoma turned into Kansas State with a passing game yeah. on offense. They just said, "You know what? We're going to bear down on this Baylor defense." And it was a situation
1: and, where I really didn't mind Jalen Hurts keeping it either because yeah, he, he ran was the money ball twenty-seven, 27 times? times, unreal. And I'm glad he did. And, I bet his body was hurting like oh, a yeah. motherfucker the next day. I bet it but, was Aspirin. because he man. was
2: taking some hits. But but and you could tell Baylor by the end of the third quarter they didn't want any of that offense, and they had another quarter to go. And then then you're keeping Baylor's offense off the field, which is always good news for a quarterback. That's you know he's not really tearing OU apart. He's really a big part of their Baylor's game plan. Was all right. Well, if there's no spy, Charlie Brewer going to take right off in the middle of the field. Or he's going to throw it deep to Mims. That's basically what their game plan was. which And it was working. And um, the defense said, Alex Grinch said, you know what? We're not going to rush the quarterback. We are going to rush four. And we're going to contain instead of trying to get you know a blitz and a sack. That way we keep him in front of us and try to cover as much as we can. And, you know, making Charlie Brewer get out of a rhythm, very important. And also Ronnie Perkins. Oh, man.
1: Incredible. He, he's a
2: sophomore. People forget that. Was that was his
1: best game so far, I think. Best
2: game. He, he recorded, like, what, three sacks, Three I think? sacks, yeah. And including one on that last drive that... Important. ...grinded a lot of clock. Mm-hmm. He's going to be so good by the time he's a senior. He's oh,
1: only a sophomore. I don't know if he's ever going
2: to be a senior. Yeah, it. he'll have a good yeah. next year. But it's just like, he's a sophomore, and he's definitely the most talented guy on that side of the line. And you look at what happened after, after half, it's just Oklahoma's offense. They grinded out, but also... Lee Morris t- touched TD Lee, who we all learned to love under Kyler Murray. He just crossing around, crossing around, See, route, and earlier route. in the
1: year, we were wondering, man, is he going to really have a role in this offense with Jalen Hurts? Is Jalen Hurts ever really comfortable? And Does the answer really, was no until the Baylor game. It wasn't until the Baylor game.
2: And he made some, like, I'm not talking easy grabs. Oh, like yeah. Some full extension fingertip grabs.
1: That he made look easy at times. That he
2: did make look easy, and then... Oh, now you're getting Theo Weiss involved. And the first one A little was... A bit of Jaden
1: Hazelwood even. I mean, yeah, but that, oh
2: man, that first catch by Theo Weiss just still gets me. He catches it. He has one man to make miss. He kind of twists his body, contorts it. Pulls the ball over the guy's helmet, which I don't advise. Do not at all. Yeah, never do that. There's nearly another turnover. And then he loves the spin move for some reason. Spin moves goes. I mean, it's pretty abrupt. I mean, it's gosh, but you never raise the ball over a defender's helmet, please God, stop. And then of course the turnaround when he gets it, he just turns around, just beats a couple guys the end zone. Jaden Hazelwood making a couple. uh, He made one very difficult uh, catch. Austin Stogner, two touchdowns. Wait, the two? Se-
1: the, it was two, touch two downs, touchdowns. Yeah, and the second one was really impressive too. And it was an impressive throw by Jalen Hurts across his body,
2: across the body, and then behind uh, Stogner, you know, so that Stogner extending
1: get to uh, it. back against his momentum. Yeah, to get it. I mean, it was—he's a big-time player. So it's just like, and they he, grind it out. He could easily be a starter if not for Lee Morris playing oh, right definitely, now. Definitely, I mean, definitely, he'd be a great tight end and already. Stogner, He'd probably be one of
2: the best tight ends in the league already. Stogner, he's going to be good. in. He's going to be better than Grant Calcaterra because Stogner, not only is he a great pass catcher, he's much taller than Calcaterra, he's also more physical. You get this man into the weight room for another year, he's going to be able to block people. I'm thinking
1: you could have a little bit of a Charlie Kohler situation there where you aren't necessarily showing your cards by having him out there yeah. because Kohler can line up anywhere. Yes, exactly.
0: He's, cause he's and, not-
1: and play any role at any of those spots. I mean, he could be... In the middle, or he can be in the slot and still be a blocker. I mean, you can—they mm-hmm. don't really show their hand by having him out there because he's so versatile. Right.
2: Calcaterra is more of a pass catcher. Mark Andrews is more of—he was kind bigger, of a, but he was definitely
1: way more of a pass yes, catcher. Mark he was Andrews not a blocker.
2: Was not a blocker, but he could block some, and he was definitely a pass catcher. Stogner is like more reverse. That man—he's big, and he can block. And he's going to get real bulky by the time he's a junior or senior, but he's also a pass catcher. He's not a finesse tight end. He's a guy that can really mess you up and really pay you dividends and play actions that it's going to be in on late releases and leaking out in the back. Braden Willis catches a touchdown pass. They just put it together, they leaned on them. They had five, six, five, and six minute play uh, drive, five, six minute drives against. Um, <laughs> eat it. I'm I'm giving Kamiar a uh, gummy bear from Bucky's. They're uh, they're uh, creamsicle, creamsicle flavored gummy. Pretty good, huh? Pretty good, man. Ooh, tastes like just like creamsicle. I oh yeah, so. they're the bomb. If but it's from Bucky's, it's the bomb. Bucky's is the best. I agree, but man, it's just they put it all together on offense, and defensive wise, two turnovers. Yeah, I mean, you saw how nuts the sideline went on that first one. I was think that's, And I was thinking, oh, man. That's the momentum play. And
1: then, of course, Oklahoma gives it away on the next one. Yeah, possession. and I said, it, no! In the end zone. This
2: and, is all the momentum, and they get it right back. Yeah. And then, to end the game, holy crap, man. Just like, well, first, let's talk about Gabe Burkich with the biggest nuts on the team. Like, I don't know how he fit those football pants on with nuts that big, because like the man struts out into the field, backwards struts onto the field after Lincoln Riley ices him already. And not only does he deliver the first time with a timeout being called, he delivers the second time after Lincoln Riley ices him, right down the middle, hasn't missed a kick all year, fresh. After
1: seeing everything you've seen, after seeing the swagger against Baylor, after seeing the fact that he's 12 for 12 on field goals, even though he only has 12 field goal attempts in his career, right now, would you rather have any other kicker in the country on your roster? Even with this small sample size? I'd I don't rather, think I would. I, he he, is, he seems confident. He, he seems, seems confident. confident. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't seem like a guy who's going to blow a big kick. I mean, I loved Austin Seibert, but mm. he was not always clutch. No, it seems- I think we've got a guy who has a bit more... Legitimate confidence, I guess, and is it's, what you can say. That
2: that's too, and that, that's that's fair to say. But I think at the same time, Austin Cyber he was doing, overworked as well. Do, he was so overworked, and in the NFL, Austin Seibert's doing very well yeah, with the Browns. He did miss a few in the last he did. game, though. He yeah. did, but I mean, when you're splitting duties 100 percent of the time at punter Hurts, and, and kicker, you don't you can't get a full go at it. And so now the Oklahoma finally has one punter and one kicker. It's Reeves really, is still a little shaky, but I mean a it, bit.
1: It, it's he's still oh I mean we don't really punt very much, yeah. so it's not that big of a deal. But
2: I mean it's good to have a guy that specializes in each, that way they can divide their time equally, that way nothing is suffering from that. So Gabe Berkich, man, stock up to you. Kudos to you for having some big nuts. My to favorite be kicker in a very field. long Goodness time. Goodness gracious. And then let's talk about Nick Benito, man. He's the guy that ends the game effectively. When well, he dropped the first, yeah. One, what's your I, reaction? I,
1: I I was like, well, fuck! Oh, you going to lose this game when he yeah, dropped that first. That's what one. I, I thought. I was, I was like, like well, that's drive time. down the field. I was like, wow, that is a horrible omen. The next play, right back at you, and
2: totally redeem yourself. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just like, I was thinking, I was like, all right, they're rushing four. That's weird. They're dropping their rush linebacker. They haven't done that all game. That's what I was seeing the entire time. I was like, Nick Benito is not rushing or setting the edge. He's dropping back in coverage, and then of course. Charlie Brewer throws it right to his numbers and it just hits him in the chest and he just falls down and like everybody knew he dropped it but he tried to like play it off and the referee's like yeah get that crap out of here we all knew it and I'm just like screaming in my house and like punching my ottoman I'm like why why me and then it's like well let's get another go at it come on just like don't let him score a touchdown if we have the momentum let's let it go overtime at least or make him miss a field goal or something and then instead of dropping straight back, Nick Benito follows his guy into the flat. And thank God for Nick Benito being over six feet tall. Thank God for this past regime recruiting defensive players with over six foot one wingspans, because he needed all of that six foot one two whatever wingspan he could do. He could, he has to pick that ball off and effectively end the game and. You know, people been picking on Nick Benito because he hasn't been setting the edge as well as John Michael Terry has. But man, what, what a way to seal that victory, and what a good game for him. And and after right after the game, Neville Gallimore was you know he came and dapped him up and talked about big time players make big uh, make big time plays and big time games. And you just you're just happy. And I watched that I watched that replay like ten times as as far as that last sequence because Brewer the ball snapped early, so he like, kind of panics already. Oh, use bearing down. Ronnie Perkins is breathing down your neck. He gets her out in the flat, and Nick Benito just beats him to the punch, and it's done. What's the stadium atmosphere like after that?
1: Okay, so obviously morose, but at the same time, you could tell, and at, by talking to people, you could tell this too. They were proud of their program that uh-huh. day, if that makes sense. Because they hosted game day in the morning.
2: Yeah, of course.
1: They entered Lee undefeated. Corso picked Baylor. They had. Probably the best stadium atmosphere they've ever had. And they held their own against Oklahoma. Obviously they were disappointed by giving up that big lead, but they're I think they're just very proud of where their
2: program is at. Especially where they were two years ago. Of, One co- win? of
1: course, yeah. And they they love Matt Rule and justifiably Same. Same. so. Yeah, yeah he's <laughs> outstanding. And I, I think after everything you saw with that program under Bryles, I think they're just so happy to have a guy who is the exact opposite of Art Bryles.
2: At what point in the game? And so
1: they 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 were exuding some pride in their program, I think, after the game. And they weren't, you know, giving us any grief or anything like that or being mm-hmm. rude or anything like that. They th- Before the game, during the game, after the game, Baylor fans were pretty good. I've heard some complaints about... The fans being kind of lippy in the stadium, but yeah. I mean, what stadium isn't going to be like that in that exactly. situation? Exactly. I mean, they really weren't that bad. I, I thought it was everything about it was pretty respectable except for like certain things, but I mean, yeah, it, it was uh, overall. It was a very I was impressed
2: with the atmosphere. At what point in the game could you feel that the Baylor fans started to feel the tide turning?
1: I would say the after the first touchdown that OU scored in the first half. Or I think it half. was. It, I think they really felt it actually with their with Hasty's turnover, mm-hmm. and that's when OU fans started feeling it too. That's when their buttholes started clenching up a little bit. I think, yeah. but that's fair to say. Yeah, I mean,
2: Oklahoma. They can if they can pull within two touchdowns with two whole quarters left. Well, you know that bodes well for Lincoln Riley, especially if they can get another turnover or a, a, at least one stop. And as you saw, that's what happened. They got four, three, four stops in a row. It's is impressive and. Alex Grinch, though, during the game, man, he laid into into Buki. And he would lay into a couple of players. And um, just with the simple message of do your job. Do your job. Because he talks about, and he talked about this in the presser, Oklahoma's defense, what's keeping them from being successful in a very, not an average defense, but a great defense is they have something called selective execution, which I thought was really interesting because it made me think of selective hearing. Selective execution on defense where you have eight to nine guys on defense doing their job well and doing it how they're supposed to be. And you might have those one, two guys that maybe aren't executing what they're supposed to be doing. Maybe they see something else and they go in the wrong gap, even though that's not their job, but they they feel like they see something. But now all of a sudden you're out of your gap in at least a 15 yard gain. So that's, that's the issue with Oklahoma. It's just execute your job, do your job. I would not be surprised at all if that was one of the team mantras from the defense on a T shirt next year with speed D is do your job. It's funny because do your job is the motto
1: of the Patriots. And Oklahoma just pulled off a Patriots esque comeback and watched the and game watched during the 23
2: game. That's, it's that's all lining stuff. up. It's good. I stuff. hate the Patriots, but I like being on the same page as them right now. But it's that simple, though, right? Because Buki, Buki comes down there and he's blitzing, and he's supposed to be taking out the quarterback. But the read was, you know, if, there, if there's a running back leaking out, you go with him. You don't go with the you don't go to the quarterback because that le- that compromises the defense. Buki went to the quarterback anyways. Wide open, you know, you know why. Wide open flat, the guy gets up, fuel for plenty of yards. And it just compromised the defense. It's do your job, execute your plan. That's simple. And Oklahoma executed very highly on both ends of the ball. Really, all three. Special teams, offense, defense, second half. A complete game in the second half after a complete shit show in the first half. And it uh, lifted them to victory over the Baylor Bears. And that's something to be proud of. Uh, That's something... I I feel like I've seen Sooner Magic a handful of times in my life. That's definitely one of them. Would you say?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it. I, I went to the Tennessee game in 2015, yep. and the feel of the whole thing was very similar. Mm-hmm. I think just getting down really early and uh, sort of having all of the OU fans up in the upper deck in the uh, and just being together and creating like almost a home atmosphere of their own within yeah. someone else's stadium, because it had that feel in Tennessee's stadium at one point. Like when you saw Zach Sanchez pick off that pass, oh, yeah. you heard how loud it was Definitely. in the stadium. Oh, yeah. There were so many OU fans there. This sort of felt similar in vibe with the comeback, because at Tennessee you never felt like Oklahoma was going to come back in that game, but then just slowly but surely they clawed their way back into it. Mm-hmm. And, this whole, and the feeling of elation that you felt after all of this went down, it was it's identical, mm-hmm. I would say. But maybe this is a little bit better because it was a bigger comeback. Yeah. It was later in the season.
2: It gets to rank opponent, it, it undefeated the opponent. Season. I mean, yeah.
1: yeah, it was uh obviously McLean Stadium is no Neyland stadium. Right. But it is a very good stadium. It was fun. But it's just- it, it was one of my favorite
2: road OU experiences I've ever been a part of it it's, was great it's exciting it, it's yeah like he said but anyways guys today we were joined by jimmy plunkett from frogs Award to talk about you know tcu what kind of the things oklahoma's facing in norman on senior day this coming saturday we'll check you guys after the break
0: today's episode is brought to you by cars.com
2: all right, guys, today we are joined by Jamie Plunkett from Frogs of War. Thanks for coming on. How are you doing?
0: I'm great, guys. It's good to be on with you. I well, appreciate it. Yeah, now, let's get so rolling easy. here.
1: Uh, TCU currently sitting at 5-5, five and five, but with all five losses coming at the hands of teams that are over 500, pretty good teams. With the Frogs also sitting at number 31 nationally in SP+, is it safe to say that this team is a bit better than its record indicates?
0: It. Yes and no. So TCU schedule has TCU season has has been a very confusing season for Horn Frog fans because I think everybody came in with high expectations knowing that it was a senior laden secondary, a ton of talent along the defensive lines, especially with Ross Blacklock, two senior running backs and Darius Anderson and Shabo Alana Lewis, senior tackles, Anthony McKinney and Lucas Niang. And that kind of helped everybody overlook the fact that TCU has a true freshman quarterback and a lot of young guys at linebacker and in the secondary as well. So you look at the schedule and you say, okay, well, they lost to nine and one SMU by three. They lost to a Kansas state team on the road. That's pretty dang good. They lost in triple overtime to top 15 Baylor. They lost to top 25 Oklahoma state by a touchdown. Um, and yeah, I think it's safe to say that TCU has been in most of these games. And if things had swung their way in a couple of them, they could probably be, uh, you know, 7-3 and three right now. But in the reality uh, of this season, TCU is just an inconsistent football team that has struggled in close games. And I don't know that they're necessarily any better than their record would reflect.
2: Yeah, like I was looking at their schedule, and I saw that really the only team that they... Really had a rough go around with was Iowa State. Everything else was like you said within a score, and like even yeah. some of their wins are within a score. And it's just they're playing a tough defense, um, and really figuring out a way to score has been a problem. In some of it, would you say?
0: Yeah, and it's it's I think it all goes back to having a true freshman quarterback in Max Duggan, who everybody th- thinks the world of him. I think he's going to be a tremendous quarterback next year and his junior year and down the road. And he's shown flashes of greatness this year, but I think it all comes down to play calling and TCU fans have been really hard on Sonny Cumby, our offensive coordinator this year, because it has seemed for long stretches of some of these close losses that he has not been setting up this offense to be successful. Uh, he is insisting on running pretty much every first down. If you look at the numbers um, and it's just not putting Max Duggan in, in good positions to succeed as a true freshman quarterback where he doesn't have to worry about pushing the ball 20, 30 yards downfield. He can make easier plays. It seems like everything TCU does is a screen pass or like a 40-yard bomb to Jalen Rager, or they're running the football. Um, And that's not exactly a recipe for success, at least consistently on offense. So you mentioned
2: Max Duggan. He's a freshman. He's going to make freshman mistakes. uh, But he's shown a lot of promise uh, after an understandably inauspicious start to the season. In what ways has he improved in your eyes as a quarterback as the season has progressed?
0: I think the biggest thing for him is uh, two things. He's not as hesitant to just tuck the ball and run. And over the last couple of weeks, he's shown that he's an incredibly good runner. And that's really great for TCU football because I think the offense is most successful when the quarterback is legitimately a dual threat. Um, And then the biggest thing in the passing game is he's starting to put some touch on the ball that wasn't there early in the season. I think as a freshman coming in and, you know, getting his first start of his career in week three, um, he had a lot of energy and maybe some, um, some nerves. And so every pass of his for the first couple of weeks was like a thousand miles an hour. And it was bouncing off the hands of receivers. It was going way over receivers heads. Um, And you've seen over the last, Pretty much since the Texas game um, a couple of weeks ago, he has slowed down. He's put a lot more touch on the ball. He's making his reads a little bit better, and he's getting the ball out a little bit quicker and more on time. Uh, And that's shown um, as he's improved in his passing, uh, passer rating every week, um, other than the Baylor game, which was a a rough game for him. since the Texas game. So he's definitely improving. He's a true freshman though. He's like you said, he's going to make those freshman mistakes, but the potential is definitely there with Duggan.
1: You know, in the backfield TCU, they're carried by a couple of veterans in Anderson and uh, Alana Lua. What do each of those guys bring to the table as far as skill sets concerned?
0: Well, Darius is Darius Anderson's definitely the speed speedier of the two. Um, He's shifty. He's got incredible strength, but he's, he's fast. And if he gets loose he's gonna he's gonna tear you apart i think not last year he was banged up but maybe two years ago he had an incredible game against oklahoma even though the score didn't really reflect um as much but he's, he's kind of the lightning to Shewo alana lewis thunder alana lua is 6'3, 240 pounds uh and he will he will just knock you over um we have a, a package tcu has a package for him that's a direct snap package called the wild frog that you know, if he's taking a direct snap, he's probably going to get the one or two yards needed. Um, there was one play God, against SMU. This play will stand out in the minds of frog fans. TCU is down. They're starting to find some rhythm on offense. It's fourth and two in the red zone and they decide to go for it. And instead uh, they do direct snap to Shewo. And instead of just letting him run and fall forward for two yards, because he's bigger than any linebacker that you're going to see they hadn't passed the ball. And so he tries to like bootleg out to the right and he throws a pass and it gets like swatted out of the air by a defensive end immediately. And it was kind of, that's, that's kind of TCU season in a nutshell is they have all of this talent. They're just not using it. Right. Um, but Shewa will hit you hard and he will knock you over and he will make you want to quit football and Darius will beat you to the edge and, and get to the end zone before you even know what happened. And OU fans are
2: obviously pretty familiar with Jalen Rager, a one-time OU commit before they ended up getting Hollywood Brown. Um, But who else in that receiving corps from Fort Worth uh, do Oklahoma fans really
0: need to keep an eye on this Saturday? Tay Barber would be the biggest name, number four. Uh, He's a young kid. He's kind of cut in that same mold as Rager, where he's not the biggest guy, but he's incredibly fast and has really good hands. Um, He, since being healthy for the last five or six games, has really come on – Frankly, as TCU's leading receiver on this team, defenses pay so much attention to Rager now uh, that it's on other guys to really start getting open. And so if you look at the stats for TCU football this year, Rager's, I mean, still having a a pretty decent year, um, not nearly Jalen Rager's standards, uh, but Tay Barber has come on and had some some fantastic games. He's made some huge catches against Texas Tech. He had a couple of really big catches um, in one of his first games back that helped TCU get a win over Texas. Um, and you know, he is right now, second on this team in, in receiving yards. Uh, another guy to, to really keep an eye on though is pro Wells. It's he, he's the first tight end in recent memory for TCU. That's caught more than like three passes in a season. He's got five touchdowns on the season That's tied for the most with Rager or with Rager. Um, but the guy is just a huge body. He's got great hands and he's somehow, seemingly like always open over the middle of the field, like right at the first down marker. Uh, And that's a really good quality for a tight end to have. And it's especially good, I think for a true freshman quarterback like Duggan to know that that safety valve is there when guys like Rager and Barber are covered deep.
1: Now TCU defensively, they rank number 32 in defensive SP plus, which isn't bad, but it's obviously not quite up to where the bar has been set by past defenses during Patterson's tenure. So What are this unit's strengths and what are its weaknesses?
0: I think it varies game to game, honestly. Um, The defensive line the last two weeks has gotten good pressure for the first time all season. Uh, You know, they've got redshirt freshman O'Shawn Mathis at defensive end. They're replacing two defensive ends and Ben Banigou and LJ Collier, who went in the first two rounds of the NFL draft back in April. Uh, So you're always going to have some sort of a drop off in that situation. Um, And so O'Shawn Mathis and Shamik Blackshear have not lived up to the standard that Banigou and Collier set in 2018 for this defensive line. And I think that's allowed lines to focus more on Ross Blacklock. And so before the Baylor game, the defensive line had combined for two and a half sacks all season. And in the last two weeks, I think they have five. So they're starting to get things figured out and they're starting to get more pressure on opposing quarterbacks. But meanwhile, that's coincided with Starting strong safety, Innis Gaines being out for the season with a torn meniscus. Backup strong safety, LaKendrick Van Zandt out for the season with an injury. So you've got uh, redshirt freshman, Ardarius Washington, who stands all of 5'8", 175 at a safety spot. You've got a sophomore in Trevon Merig at strong safety. You've got a senior in Vernon Scott who's been banged up um, but made some some pretty good plays. Uh, And then you've also got, you know, Jeff Gladney, TCU's best corner is out for the first half of this game against Oklahoma because of a targeting call against Texas Tech, which means that you're going to have a true freshman Keon Stewart starting at cornerback for the Frogs on Saturday night. And so the defensive line pressure has coincided with some struggles recently in the secondary that have really led to some big plays through the air. I mean, Tech threw, I think it was four, uh, three touchdowns over 25 yards, including a 70 yard touchdown on a broken coverage. Um, on Saturday, and so that doesn't bode well for a team like Oklahoma, who can really air it out, or for a, yeah, you know, when you're playing a team like Oklahoma, I should say it bodes very so, like, well for you. Guys like
2: C.D. Lamb will be back for Oklahoma, uh, we presume, and then other you know five-star freshmen and tight ends that Oklahoma is now utilizing for some reason. And you know, like you said, TCU's banged up. So speaking up to their success um, on defense which players are most crucial to TCU's ability to come away with a
0: win this Saturday? Uh, Defensively, I think Ross Blacklock has to have a big game. You know, he is the defensive tackle stud who missed all of 2018 with an Achilles injury, but has been back this year and is constantly, constantly fighting through double teams. Um, He's still managed to get, Uh, He leads the team in quarterback hurries. He led the defensive line in sacks for a little while. I'm not sure if he still does. I don't have the stats in front of me. Um, He's going to have to have a big game because I think one of the, one of the keys to disrupting an offense, especially with one uh, uh, that has a capable quarterback like Hertz um, is just to throw him off his timing. You know, that's what they did very well against Baylor with Charlie Brewer was they pressured him enough to where he started making mistakes with the football. Um, they pressured Shane Buchel or not Shane Buchel, uh, Sam Ellinger enough against Texas. Same thing. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're right. (laughs) Uh, to where he threw four interceptions. And so, you know, when you move a quarterback around and you kind of get them out of their rhythm, it leads to a couple mistakes. And Hertz has shown that his ball security isn't, you know, 100% all the time. You know, he had a couple interesting turnovers and potential turnovers against Baylor on Saturday. Uh, That kind of lead me to hope that if the defensive line can continue to get pressure, um, maybe they can throw Hertz off of his game a little bit, but realistically it's going to come down to the secondary and how well they can stay with this just incredibly talented receiving court for OU. Um, And and in reality, that just doesn't bode very well for the Frogs.
1: Now, Jamie, I know you're a preacher. We established this last year when we had a bit of a miscommunication involving nightlife. (laughs) We don't need to go into that right now, but I apologize. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Look, I wasn't I wasn't always a minister. Uh and I'm fortunate enough to be a part of a progressive denomination that understands um <laughs> that certain ways of coping are healthy in moderation. <laughs> Good to know. So anyway,
1: I need to get your reaction to the Baylor preacher saying "sickem Jesus" during the pregame invocation. How big of a no-no was that in your eyes? And how uncomfortable did
0: that make you? Uh well, um, this is the 1st time hearing of it. Wait, be really? Honest with you? Wow! Yeah, so, tell me more. So, was this like the invocation, the prayer before the game? Yes, he says, yes. He, he said, "Sick of Jesus." I mean, do we really expect anything more from Baylor? To be completely honest with you, I I will say this: I know the chaplain at TCU. She's an incredible, incredible person. She would never end an invocation with you know, frog him, Jesus, or whatever our equivalent would be. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think, I think, you know, you just, give just him end a prayer. Jesus. Just Yeah, give him hell, Jesus, you know, uh, that's a little too real for some, some branches of Christianity. Um, but yeah, just end your prayer. And then, you know, after that, say whatever you want, I guess. But you know, I don't think Jesus takes sides in a football game.
2: Oh, man, that's good stuff. Uh, Jamie, who's your favorite TCU alumni outside of sports?
0: Uh, Bob Schieffer. Has to be Bob Schieffer. Um, Long-time face of the nation, host, journalist, incredibly high integrity. Um, I graduated from the Schieffer School of Communications, and um, he, he is set, I think, an example for every horn frog that comes out of the school of communications and out of the journalism school uh, for how to conduct yourself and you know i know that we work in a fan site arena um but it's definitely something that you know kind of trickles down um and just you know witnessing his incredible work for for so many so many years uh it's really cool and it's also really cool that he reps the brand you know like he in big moments uh throughout his career he's you know had a TCU tie on or worn purple as a shout out to his to the university and has always been willing to come back and give back and and pour himself into current students. And I just think that's super cool.
1: Now Jamie, who is your favorite TCU football player of all time? And follow-up question, who is your favorite OU football player of all time?
0: Okay. If I have to pick one favorite TCU football player of all time. Gosh, that's so tough. Um, I think the go-to answer is probably LT for most TCU fans, but that's very understandable. That was kind of before my college football awareness really kicked in. So I think my favorite TCU player of all time is going to have to be Jerry Hughes, because okay. wow. you know you could you could go with Andy Dalton or Travon Boykin if you want to go the quarterback route. You could go Josh Doxson, but Jerry Hughes was one of the most dominant defensive ends. He was there during my time at TCU, which made it even better to watch it kind of from the student section. Uh, Like I said, I wasn't always a minister. So, you know, there were things that helped influence the way that you viewed the game. But anyways, um, watching Jerry Hughes, and especially uh, in 2010, when we hosted Utah, it was a top 10 matchup. Game day came for the first time. And TCU blew the doors off of the Utes, like 52 to 27. Everybody rushed the field, and there's this like iconic picture of where Jerry Hughes has just sacked the Utah quarterback and the quarterback's like laying face down in the dirt and he's on his knees flexing over him. And it's just this beautiful moment where everybody's going haywire. We're up by like three touchdowns, and he just absolutely blasted this guy. And then he's had a really great career in the NFL. Um is a little edgy, um, but is you know, I think one of the one of the probably a top ten, top twelve outside linebacker in the NFL now has had a great career. Um and is another guy who comes back and contributes and, and pours back into the university a lot. So I'm going with Jerry Hughes. And now Oklahoma, who's your favorite OU football player of all time? <sighs> Gosh. Well, um Not Hollywood Brown, because he absolutely (laughs) destroyed us the last few years. Not Baker Mayfield. um, Not Kyler Murray. Uh, I'll go back. I'll say Adrian Peterson. I'll say Adrian Well, you beat Adrian
1: Peterson, so there you go. Yeah,
0: that was helpful. You know, held him to one of his worst. That's Peterson and Beaumont years, huh? Yeah. 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 2005, was it? Yeah. Yep. That was my freshman year at TCU. It was my first TCU football game experience, and I didn't go to Norman. I went home because I'm from Dallas, and oh, so yeah. I watched the game with my dad at the house, thinking to myself, I should have been in Norman this weekend. Mm-hmm. How do you think this game is going to actually turn out? Not great. Um, <laughs> not great. I won't say for who. No, uh, I just finished recording the Frogs War podcast, so that's going to drop on Wednesday morning with my official prediction, uh, which is Oklahoma 42, TCU 31. Okay, I think... so that's
1: beating the spread then.
0: I think they're going to cover. Yeah, the 19-point spread is a little ridiculous to me. Um, TCU, I don't think is that big of an underdog, even though they have had an up-and-down season. And Oklahoma's 1-5 in five their last six games against the spread. So give me the frogs to cover. Um, I think they score a touchdown late to make the score even a little bit respectable, but I I anticipate Oklahoma not really having any issues.
2: Yeah, I think, I think that's a fair thing to say.
0: Yeah, I'm picking TCU to cover as well.
2: I am too, but... Again, Jamie, thanks for coming on. Uh, tell everybody where they can find your stuff.
0: So you can find everything at at Frogs of War on Twitter is the site's account. Frogs dot com is our TCU website. Uh, you can follow me at Frog Preacher on Twitter. Um, I'm somewhat entertaining and I don't only exclusively talk about TCU. Uh, I let my fandom show as a Cowboys fan on Twitter. So that's kind of entertaining for some people. Um, and yeah, just go to Frogs dot com. We're friendly people. We'll engage with you in the comments. It'll be a good time.
2: All right. Well, thanks again for coming on, and we're definitely looking forward to a good game this Saturday.
0: Absolutely, guys. It's going to be a fun one. All right, Jack. So,
2: Oklahoma Sooners versus the TCU Horned Frogs this Saturday, 7 p.m. on Fox. Again, primetime. It's it's 7 p.m. Night games all in a row till OSU. T- even championship November wow, under it's the lights. Un- unreal. And a Fox primetime OU's favored. 19 points you touching that line no hell no I'm not touching that absolutely line. absolutely not no way in hell am I touching that line so TCU um you know we talked with Jamie for a while TCU's trying to get bowl eligible they're five and five and like I think we agree they're probably one of the best five and five teams in the nation I looked it up there as far as SP plus is concerned they're the number
1: three five and five team which is whatever but they're number 31 nationally at five and five ahead of a lot of teams with better records yeah because they've lost to good teams, good teams and have played them close.
2: Mm-hmm. B- Baylor should have had really close time to beat Baylor. The only team they really did not have a time or an opportunity to beat Iowa State, Iowa State, in, State Ames, in Ames. Which there's
1: no huge shame in and that. That's that's
2: very fair today. And so TCU trying to get both eligible at five and five, but I mean, let's talk about the cheese it bowl. <laughs> I, I'm I'm. Always down to talk about the Cheese it
1: Bowl. We took a picture next we to the took, Cheez-It yeah, Bowl we did trophy Big Media at uh, Days. Big 12 Media Days. That
2: was such a garbage game, but it was so fun.
1: It was. I, I You just kind of reveled in the shit show that was going like down watching in a front train of wreck. your eyes. You went to turn away, but I couldn't. That game was example number one of why college football Twitter is the best sports Twitter. Mm-hmm. It beats the hell out of NBA Twitter. Oh. And it NFL. beats the hell out of NFL Twitter. NFL Twitter's too serious, NFL Twitter sucks. It sucks. Except the Baltimore, Baseball Twitter's just nerdy.
2: Baseball Twitter's good, and you have certain teams with their accounts that have fun with it, like Baltimore Ravens, they like yeah. to have a lot of fun, but college football Twitter's undefeated 100% of the time. Completely. And, um, man, TCU, but they're trying to get eligible. Their their last two games are, of course, in Norman with their freshman quarterback on senior night doesn't look too promising for Max Duggan, and then of course they have. I do like him in the future. I though. do. He's like going to be a Duggan. very he's good be quarterback. Good. And then they have West Virginia at home. Who in West Virginia, they they don't suck. The they're Big, feisty. The Big Twelve in general they should suck, but they have an incredible yeah. coach. The Big Twelve is not bad, and even Kansas not... is formidable for the most part. If they're turning the ball over, they suck. Yeah, of course. Yeah, if not, most teams suck when they turn the ball but, over. Oh, he's been having that issue the past few games, but if. If Kansas is not turning the ball over, more than formidable to beat decent teams and hang in games. I was surprised that OSU was taking care of uh, Kansas the way they were this past weekend, and then I found and that out. Didn't all even the turnovers.
1: Yeah, of course, yeah. But would they score thirty-one points? Yeah.
2: It's just you know it's it's surprising so TCU trying to get eligible. the backs not against the wall just yet I think backs will be against the wall against West Virginia next week if when and if Oklahoma delivers a loss to them but do you picture a potential letdown for OU this week I picture Oklahoma maybe mm, I think they still might be on an emotional high from the Baylor game and I but I do know that I mean this thing might have heightened their sense of urgency on defense. Especially That makes sense. And I think this thing might have heightened Jalen Hurt's sense of oh wow. I don't just have CeeDee Lamb like Theo Weiss is amazing. Austin Stogner is incredible. Kennedy Brooks in space is great. Um, and uh Jane Hazelwood, my goodness, he's got so many weapons. Lee Morris made his revival of a comeback, his the Lee Morris Renaissance in one game. It was nice to see that. And so I think if you're looking if you say let down by Oklahoma doesn't cover the spread and then they win somewhere along the lines of like 38 to 24, yeah sure. Yeah. Uh but I mean I don't I don't expect Oklahoma to be within double within single digits of TCU if that's what we're saying. Yeah, I know they're
1: a far superior team and like like uh Jamie said TCU's been an inconsistent team this very year. Very inconsistent. And if, if
2: they have a they're too many weaknesses. I mean their offensive line isn't the best the the last few games they've been giving up two three and they're sats. young at linebacker
1: tcu is usually great at linebacker and they're really
2: young at linebacker i didn't even year. realize Gladney was going to be out for the first half yeah and they're That's banged be up huge they're banged up at safety they're banged up at a lot of positions uh freshman quarterback who does run the ball a lot which i think oklahoma is going to use partially the same same scheme they used against maybe texas and baylor in the second half which is don't worry about blitzing this man just Rush what you can and just contain the quarterback and see what happens. Have there. Kenneth
1: Murray kind of spy him a little yeah. bit, kind of like he did with Ellinger. So, or Ellinger, I mean Ellinger, Ellinger, hard,
2: hard G Ellinger. It's just you know it's I I'm not I'm not really seeing a potential letdown as far as like Oklahoma like Iowa State that was a letdown I was like wow that's a collapse not a letdown um, but I don't foresee them being within single digits of Baylor but. TCU, they're allowing 330 yards per game on defense. Um, and they battled every Big 12 foe tough besides Iowa State. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think there's a possible letdown in store for you?
1: Oh, I mean, I think the defense obviously did look good in the second half against Baylor, but also they were fresh the entire time. Oh, yes. And they, they did catch a couple of breaks in the second half. You had that bobbled ball that was going to be a first down on oh, one God of those bless. drives. That was about to make me puke. Sickened Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I mean obviously yeah the defense was great in the second half but I feel like uh some of it was maybe a tad bit of fool's gold as far as mm-hmm. a perceptions concerned so I think it's fair. I could I mean this defense still obviously has some weaknesses so mm-hmm. I think maybe TCU could potentially exploit some of them but like we've been saying there not exactly a well-oiled machine offensively but they do have the talent on that side of the ball to maybe make Oklahoma pay with their you know skill position talent and their talent at the quarterback position I'm like,
2: curious to see Duggan
1: it. physically he can get it oh, done yes. against OU for sure I mean sure. you
2: saw that play where he stiffed armed like five Kansas State guys and on his way yeah. to the end
1: zone he's six and he two. had that tightrope uh TD that was called
2: out at the three against uh
1: Baylor mm-hmm. where he really did show off his athleticism but uh yeah, he's gonna be a dangerous player.
2: I think this is a potential place where you could see Caleb Kelly maybe play.
1: Wouldn't you wait until Oklahoma State, though? You might wait till Oklahoma State. Just on the outside chance, chance that maybe you get in the playoff. playoff. Yeah. I mean, you might as well just wait for Oklahoma State.
2: It's a good it's a good question. Yeah. Um, but man, it's it's intriguing. And you know, I don't really know what to say for TCU I meaning. Like, Jalen Rager. He's in a very he's a very important part of their game, but with their freshman quarterback and an offensive line that maybe isn't the best, he probably doesn't have as much time. to He doesn't you know.
1: exactly, and yeah, I mean, he's. Would you say that behind CD, he's the best receiver in the Big Twelve? Like other than I mean, uh, Tylen. Uh, I mean, healthy. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tylen obviously. Tylen has a debate against CD. He's that good. Yeah, but, Jalen Rager.
2: Yeah. He's special. He's a special cat. Yeah, um, big time. But he's he's nothing like CD. But I would say you be. Be, be a pretty close second so
1: but yeah at the same time the way that the offense is built right now with a freshman quarterback and a bad offensive line he's not getting as many opportunities obviously that's to true. damage team so that's been hurting In his statistics been, plus he's been dealing with injuries himself he's too. been hobbled yeah yeah i've been hobbled he's he's under 600 yards on the years thus far very which- surprising which as far as pace from past seasons are concerned, usually he's well beyond that. So.
2: so what are some of the edges that OU has in this game against TCU talent-wise? Well, I mean, you saw
1: in the second half the defense, uh, the defensive line doing pretty well against Baylor's offensive line. I mean, TCU's offensive line is no, not much better than Baylor's at all. So I think OU can definitely exploit that matchup for sure.
2: I think it's fair to say, and it's weird to say, with the absence of Kenneth Mann, it was nice to see Jalen Redmond play and Jalen Redmond actually yeah. make plays. But <clears throat> Jalen Redmond does not need to be playing defensive tackle. He needs to be having his hand in the dirt, playing or spelling Ronnie Perkins, or he needs to play the outside rush. Uh, I do not like him inside. I I hate it. He doesn't. That's not his position. He's too small for that position. He cannot be as effective at that position. It bugs me. But I think Oklahoma's defensive line. You know, I think I think. TCU's defensive line might have more of an edge than OU's does against that offensive line, but it's, I think it might be a push. Who knows? OU's linebacking core, weird to say it, better than TCU's maybe.
1: Yeah, just because of the inexperience at TCU.
2: The inexperience at TCU. Odom's actually coaching him up. Uh, Deshaun White's, he, you know, he's not anything to, this year anyway, he's not anything to brag about. Kenneth Murray's coming back around again, making those big swagger plays. TCU. Any year, even if they have injuries, I'm gonna say TCU has the edge in the secondary. They're just so well coached yeah. in that system, that three three five, or Fort no Gary Patterson's in the four two five. And um but offensively, get, oh, Lincoln Riley has the ultimate edge. He has owned Gary Patterson.
1: Since he's been an offensive coordinator, yeah. even yeah, I mean it's Gary I Patterson. Guess, I guess yeah, TCU's last win in this series was twenty fourteen, and that's when Josh Heupel was
2: Gary Patterson said it it's backyard football on steroids. Like you can't properly game plan for this. And now you have a quarterback that's 6'2", 220, 230. And Gary Patterson loves undersized linebackers that are fast. <laughs> you know, And like you know, like Jamie said, they have a safety. that's all 5'8", 170 pounds, 180 pounds. This little man's going to We gonna saw that last year known. at Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. With Boogie at gosh. safety. How'd that sure. work out? Not, Not well. well. Now Not he's well. a nickel, and he's doing pretty well
1: actually. He's doing okay.
2: So. He's having a pretty good season this year.
1: He's had some really good games. But He's Lincoln Riley with the Ultimate Edge of
2: brilliance. with his playmakers and they have the offensive line. The offensive line, I'll say this, Oklahoma's offensive line has more of the ability to lay on TCU. Then TCU's offensive line has the ability to lay on Oklahoma. That is
1: correct. I mean, you saw what the offensive line did in the second half against a really good Baylor defensive yeah. front. I mean, Baylor Oklahoma was.
2: Is top, what, 15? Yeah. yeah defensive I mean, S&P? They
1: have some monsters on the defensive yeah. line. And I mean, and they were, they're nasty too. I mean, so.
2: Oklahoma took it to them in the They again. did. I
1: mean, and they had it taken to them in the first half and then bounced back to, bouncing back to do that after being shown up in the first half. That was really impressive.
2: And I was proud of their growth because. Against Kansas State in the third quarter, they were shell-shocked. Yeah, Baylor, they said, nah. They fought back, and they pushed as hard as they could. And they got back in the game, and they won it, of course. But TCU, they're not the greatest. They're they're 5-5. Five and five. They're not bowl-eligible yet. They're not going to come anywhere close to the Big 12 title game in the next few years. Uh, maybe when Duggan is a junior or senior, they might have a chance because that defense is always going to be there. And they're recruiting DFW. But what are your predictions for this game?
1: I Like you said, the 19-point spread, I'm not touching that. As far as a score prediction, what are you thinking? I'm thinking maybe like, uh, I bet the OU offense actually has some success. I bet they score in the 40s somewhere, like low 40s. I'd go 42 for Oklahoma. And let's go, let's go 42-27,
2: Oklahoma. No way.
1: He wrote it down before I said it, and I didn't see him. Yeah. It, it was behind his uh, laptop monitor.
2: I originally thought thirty-eight twenty-four. I said, "Nah, give me OU forty two twenty seven. Forty-two twenty-seven. That's what we're going. That's with. right. So, not against this. We're against the spread, but we both agree that Oklahoma should handle business. Yeah. On senior absolutely. day. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like that's. I feel like it's fair. What's going on to right now and literally stuff that just dropped today? College football rankings come out. Baylor drops only one spot. Some basically rewarded drops back just one spot uh, after a very close game with Oklahoma after being undefeated. Oklahoma rewarded slash not, not really. really at they all. kind of moved up to nine by default. Like basically like punished by not because like you have people like lost moving up to nine by default. Yeah, Baylor
1: only moves down one spot. They're number fourteen. TCU comes into the poll at number twenty-two. Wow. And so, I kind of figured, at the same time, you can see why they're behind Penn State right now. And you can see why they're... Penn State I, got worked by Minnesota. They did get worked by Minnesota, but they've had some other okay wins. I mean, they <clears throat> And their strength of schedule's been slightly better. It's true. They'll, they'll see The this thing is, weekend. I mean, Oregon and Utah... The Pac-12 sucks.
2: The pac is garbage. I don't know
1: why those two teams are getting so much credit. Like, Oregon is getting way too much credit who for barely
2: the, losing to a freshman quarterback at Auburn. Who I are mean, the top four teams in the Pac-12? Utah, Oregon, USC, and...
1: Probably Washington, who has, Washington, like, four losses.
2: And would you, who would win in, like, a bracket of those top four teams in Oklahoma, Baylor, Iowa State, and name a fourth team.
1: I'd, I mean... The only team from that four in the Pac-12 that really challenges Oklahoma, I think, is Oregon.
0: Yeah. Because
1: Oregon has a good defense. But I think Oklahoma probably works Utah just because they don't have the firepower to hang with OU. And then I would obviously pick OU to beat Washington and the other teams.
2: It's but. the Pac-12. Is They're not good. It's
1: and not. It's horrible. It's, it's, it's the worst it's, conference out of the Power Five. Well, actually, the ACC might be much yeah, worse, they're actually. Because Clemson. They're Clemson's that. legit, but... The rest that of that league of is so around.
2: bad. It's just no bueno. Like I, mean, I, I
1: wouldn't call any team outside of Clemson in that league good. I would say that Wake Forest is okay and that's
2: it. They're, then they're Clemson's gonna, not going to lose. No, absolutely next, not. Like, who are they going to
1: play in that championship game, Virginia? I don't even know. No, work Virginia. It's bad.
2: Actually, Virginia can muddy it up, so maybe it would be like not that much. But Oklahoma low-off. honestly, it feels like Oklahoma got punished for getting behind against Baylor and going up one spot by default. And it's weird because the cultural playoff committee, they'll talk about like, oh, and you know, so-and-so had a really good loss and Oklahoma's over here, defeating a undefeated team in their stadium cultural game days there. And literally it's the highest rated game. People have watched it peaked at, um, the, the, Peaked at like 8.1, 8.1 million or something million like that at yeah. 10 o'clock. Eight something. It's just unbelievable. Um, But, you know, I don't think we'll, we'll make the Cultural Playoff. And so my question to you is who would you rather play at the end of the season? Let's say, and let's say, okay, whatever. Would you rather play Alabama in the Sugar Bowl? Or, and this is Tua Taga less Alabama, or would you rather play? LSU round one college football playoff. In I'd rather Atlanta. be in the college football playoff. Right.
1: We've established this in the past, but like, yeah, I mean, are you talking about which matchup would be more favorable for Oklahoma? Yeah. I would say that, I mean, obviously Alabama without Tua would be more favorable for Oklahoma. See, I'd but, say LSU. I mean, obviously Oklahoma can score a lot on LSU, but at the same time, you know, Bama, like it's not like Bama's defense is that great either. Right. They've had, they have so much inexperience on defense this year and they've dealt with a lot of injuries. So, I think Oklahoma could move the ball in Alabama as well, and Alabama's offense is nowhere near what LSU is without, you know, Tua. So, because LSU's offense is legit.
2: LSU obviously. has turned into a Big 12 team. Yeah. But everybody's ignoring it.
1: Why'd it take them so long to, like, just decide, oh, well, we'll be uh, sort of creative on offense? It's funny how it works that way. Now that you're actually being sort of inventive offensively, things are going well for
2: you. Crazy, right? It's just like, I honestly. I like Oklahoma. I like Oklahoma's chances more against LSU and Atlanta than I like against Alabama. Without and two, yeah. I, I know, know it's weird, but I think Oklahoma has a has a pretty good shot in the trenches as well. And and you know if Texas can take LSU to that limit, oh, you can beat the hell out of Alabama on the right day.
1: I thought you were saying Alabama was the harder one. I mean LSU. Yeah. I mean
2: I'm in LSU. You know what I mean? There's. I think part of it's just that
1: LSU's offense is fantastic, and OU's defense has been inconsistent, so that would worry me. We'll see. I mean, I I I think... I mean, I understand. Your I think point. we're going to end up just playing Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. I think honestly. it's quite possible. I think OU is going to finish fifth in the college football playoff rankings after winning out. Is yep. what I think, which is dumb because they deserve to be ahead of whoever mm-hmm. wins the Pac-12. But whatever. But stranger things. That's have out, out of our control. Stranger things have happened. Well, right now we're we're, we're uh, rooting for old Herm Edwards. Yes, definitely to beat Oregon. So of course. and rooting for someone to beat. Uh, uh,
2: what are they playing? Utah. Utah. Yeah. But Caleb Kelly. Well, let's say this for next year. Caleb Kelly comes back. Let's say Alex Grinch convinces Kenneth Murray to come back. I
1: don't—you
2: I, I, hear that there's a little bit
1: of smoke there. It's
2: possible that he has—
1: That seems—to it to me, it seems unlikely just because I think Kenneth Murray can go in the first round, and why wouldn't you leave if you can go in the first round?
2: I think it's fair to say. I'm just saying. Let's, let's say it's possible that he comes back. And Bill Bidabo convinces Creed to come back. Can that this, seems more likely. Can Creed this squad back. win a national title without CeeDee Lamb? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, you yeah. s-
1: you've you seen these freshman receivers. Oh, yeah. How good they are. I how, think 100% they could. Think of a game-changer all three of them can be. I
2: think 100% they could.
1: And the passing offense is going to be more like a Lincoln-Riley passing offense mm-hmm. next year with mm-hmm. Rattler. Some guy with a quicker release and more arm strength. Yeah,
2: Word out of camp is... Rattler's making some throws that yeah, Baker he, he is making. He would be a
1: dominant quarterback
2: right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any question about that. And so well yeah, let's talk about CD. Let's 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 mention some things about CD. <laughs> um this is Lincoln Riley said CD Lamb had an injury and these the injury that they said on the broadcast was concussions like symptoms. And, and that's
1: the word that had trickled out beforehand yep. as well. And you could that tell. That had been leaked beforehand.
2: That Herb Street uh, was less than pleased because they had just done, like, they did a walk with him. They kind of did a feature on C.D. Lamb. The, all the cameras all over C.D. Lamb pre- pregame. And like, oh, by the way, he's not playing. Let's reverse. Let's rewind. Concussion protocol from. And they said, oh, maybe it's because of the fair catch at and, and Iowa State when he got banged in the helmet. Um, Well, he did the press run Monday. I can tell you that CeeDee Lamb did practice or do some run-throughs with the team on Thursday and then did walk-through with the team on Friday.
1: And now we we won't go into what you have heard, but you have heard
2: otherwise. Oh, yeah. I mean, like... Not concussion. There's no way in hell that if you're still in concussion protocol, you're walking out of that tunnel in full pads, going through your drills... Right before the Baylor game. There's no way in hell you're doing that for gamesmanship at all. You have a hoodie on like he did, and that's it. You don't go through those drills. You don't go through a lot of the things he went through, through during the week, run-throughs, walk-throughs if you're in concussion protocol. You are resting to make sure your brain is fine.
1: You're sitting in a cold, dark room uh, like Mike Leach did with Craig James. Yeah. Plugging me, him in a closet, or some closet. Shit. Yeah,
2: God. It's just like... Concussion. That's so bullcrap. So, and like the smoke billowing out of this is that is more of a suspension thing for CD doing something possibly stupid during the week.
1: Yeah, and we won't go into it, but we heard some things. So we'll a leave it at that. Yeah,
2: a lot of players wear their hat. So, but granted,
1: back this week. Yeah,
2: yeah, of course. So Lincoln says, not sure yet, but uh, we'll see. He's back. He's gonna be back this week. Okay, I'd be very surprised to see. I am not back this week. Uh, who's not the, who's not back this week is Grand Calcaterra. And wherever there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, again, this is not official word, but it just seems like one of those things. Concussions equal retiring football player because he's had an issue with concussions. And, and I'm not saying, again, this is official, but I'm saying it's unfortunate if that's the case. But I've heard it from many people. Uh, that
1: very unfortunate. A guy who's made world. a lot of plays for OU. Yeah, and a
2: really good kid. I mean, M- great mustache, head of great hair. Great mustache, great head of great hair. Great dude. Sunshine. Um, Santa Margarita. And yeah, he, he's he's a he's a good guy, and you, you hate to see it. And um, you literally do hate to see it. We're not just being sarcastic. Yeah, it's just it's unfortunate because you know because the common person that they don't really know anybody or maybe maybe they don't they don't have a subscription to a message board or maybe they just don't listen to podcasts in general. There's the Facebook, you know, the people, and they're like, what's wrong with Calcaterra again? He's out again? Is something bad happened to him early in the season? I don't know. No, this is, we'll call this a long-time lingering thing, um, that once he has a certain number, you're out. You got to do what's best. Mm -hmm. It's it's very unfortunate. Um, So he's out again. I don't expect him to to see him in a senior uniform again. Um, Let's talk some recruiting. I haven't done that in a while.
1: No, we have not. Um,
2: how long do you think
1: uh, Lincoln Riley has just been watching Arkansas football games and saying, "Just fire Chad Morris already, <laughs> so I can get a son."
2: Man, it's a good question, and I think that whole like melting down point was great. Oh gosh, like Texas melts down, and you literally have Texas players—not Joshua Eaton, but other unnamed Texas players—like calling Lincoln, like you still have a spot open. Um, and, uh, they, that actually happened by the way. And of course, Arkansas blows up no more Chad Morris. So Chandler Morris, come on down. The price is right. Um, Lincoln Riley will be, to be in to see him and if Oklahoma can get, cause let, let's, let's talk about him. Arky and Texas both blowing up is great news for Oklahoma. I mean, Chandler Morris, Joshua Eaton, Dante Manning was never a Texas guy. He, he was, was an, an A&M, A&M yeah. guy. Uh, but maybe fell out of favor with uh, the little dictator known as Jimbo Fisher. Um, and um, it looks like he's uh, fitting in pretty well as far as his relationship with Roy uh, Manning. No relation. And uh, that's correct. And um, so these are three major targets for OU heading down the stretch to not early signing day, but maybe in February. And uh, definitely Oklahoma will be... Filling out some guys that are committed to other teams that fit Alex Grinch's description of a defensive back. Six foot one, 180, basically that frame, and maybe cherry picking and poaching some kids, or most likely a couple junior college defensive backs is what they're going to be after. So you can count on hearing Chandler Morris, uh, Joshua Eden, Dante Manning. And so maybe some names you're not familiar with regarding the Juco ranks over the next month and a half. And then a guy that, you know, OU's processing kids like Jaqueline Crawford never found a spot at OU. He should have been playing defense the entire time. Yeah. The guy is... He's a talented kid. The he's guy's gonna, speed is If he electric. can, uh, you know, find a home somewhere, he can probably be yeah. a pretty successful kid. He's speedy. Like, the man's got wheels. But he just never find a spot. Oh, um, he could
1: be a good receiver at another school, too. Yeah. I mean, he was a talented guy at that position, too. He just, obviously, Oklahoma's loaded at receiver,
2: so. That's another problem. And so OU's processing guys, and, you know, they could really start to take other guys like Alfred Collins. Um, they need more defensive line depth with Neville Gallimore leaving and some other guys maybe being processed and leaving as well. And you could never get enough net, uh, quality defensive line depth with this Oklahoma squad with what Alex Grinch wants to do on defense so those are names I would look out for 100% Morris Eaton Manning uh Collins and then some new names will probably pop up within the next month and a half as well and as you guys want all defense except one there you go.
1: Yeah, every single time a commitment happens, they're like, "Well, we want some defensive yeah. players now."
2: Will the defensive players come? Well, I coming. bet it's offense.
0: Patience, grass. Yes,
2: it is offense. Linker, I loves wide receivers. They got a Mims commitment, and then they defeated a Mims. So all is well. But man, that's that's all I have. It was a it was a loaded pod full of Sooner magic. And this was almost stuff. a very
1: sad podcast, but it's not a sad yeah, podcast. Right? It's right. a
2: decidedly not sad podcast. Opposite of sad i'm having the time of my life i'm still on a high eating gummy bears yeah eating these gummy bears from uh bucky's northern lights just kidding
1: (laughs) no they really are from bucky's they're not edibles
2: yep they are and they actually are the colors of creamsicle creamsicle they're white and orange i almost forgot what that color was orange isn't that weird just
1: block out orange. You're, I mean, yeah, you're yeah. doing an OU true. podcast. I do. So, you know. I do.
2: It's true. It's in my DNA. My OU DNA. Ah, you hashtag say. OU DNA. What? That's such a bad hashtag. I don't like it. It's not good. It's lame. They need to find something else. Yeah.
1: It's been, how long has it been? Like since 2015? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Too long. I prefer the link up. The, I like the link up 21. Everyone likes it but Lincoln. Yeah. So. Well, he needs to get over it. So, <laughs> but that's what I got. Do you have any plans for this weekend? Uh, football, baby. As it should be. Yeah. As the. Sikkim Boomer Sooner, Lord Intended. Gosh. Of course. <laughs> Sikkim Jesus. Yeah, yeah Sikkim Jesus. But yeah, football upon football upon football, and seeing where this stuff shakes out next Tuesday.
1: Tailgating, too. We get night game again. Again, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes the social calendar for the weekend so much better. Yeah, it does, and it allows you to
2: plan things. like we if it's an 11 a.m. kickoff... You're going to be just sleepy the rest of the day. That, exactly. Instead, I... I can go out and tailgate, have myself a good time, watch more football games, and be, as Bob Stoops would say, charged up before the game and during the game. Now that they sell that, and uh, feeling pretty good by the time my after the game is happening. If, of course, because yeah, I you mean know. you
1: don't have to you know sneak in uh, you know pocket shots in your shoe. or Oh anything man, like that. I'll
2: never forget being in the student section and helping people sneak in their fireball and their boot or their, their their crushed up crushed up bottle of like it's like a you know a crappy water bottle that they would get like a, one of the nestle water they were
1: never very good at checking that i think they were turning the other cheek they don't want people to get in like they would in trouble.
2: they would smush these water bottles completely flat yeah and just fill it with fireball and then they would put it in their boot and then of course like everybody all the all the bros are huddling around the one bro which i was also helping pour it in his coca-cola and it was good times
1: glory days doo, doo,
2: doo, doo. and now they just sell it so now it's just yeah. it's fun for everybody but, man, that's all I got. Anything else from you? I'm good, man. All right. Well, hey, guys. Follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. A lot of great stuff brought to you guys every day by our many wonderful writers and sarcastic writers. And everything's just fun. I mean, it's, it's a good time over there. Go check out stuff every day. It's always dropping. Um, follow Jack on Twitter at CC Machine. Or you can follow us more uh, personal one, Jerry Larry Shields. Where that's where I followed The King of the Hill. Um, it's not you say that every week it's, it's more than it's just good. King of the hill means. but it's so its and it's a king of the hill and golf but I don't like golf so I talk about King of the hill okay well other stuff too I make fun of uh, girls who talk about
1: horoscopes and stuff like that he does he does I like to make fun of those girls but whatever
2: I mean I think that's fair
1: people who are into horoscopes deserve to be dragged publicly so <laughs>
2: we're gonna lose some followers I don't care some a 50 year old losing
1: sleep over uh, Calypso. 70. I'm following me on 70 Twitter. year old calypso name. doesn't
2: follow me in the first place 70 year old jane is very upset because she gets that <laughs> thing sent to her phone every day you guys can follow me at camera um again guys we're on itunes spotify stitcher google google play give us a five-star rating we really appreciate it and we'll check you guys later